What's going on, everybody? This is a new episode of Catfish on Ice. We're going to dive right into it here for episode 171. We uh, just watched the Nashville Predators come out of the All-Star break and have a complete and utter meltdown at a really, really bad time. There's really never a good time to have a meltdown like that, but it definitely looks even worse when you're coming out of an 11-day All-Star break. Uh, we've got an awesome guest joining us to open up episode 171, and that is Jason, one of the hosts of the Vegas Fever podcast covering the Vegas Golden Knights, the team that just completely took the Nashville Predators out to the woodshed. Uh, Jason, how are you doing today? Good, Chad. Thank you so much for having us. We, we, uh, we appreciate you, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming, uh, honestly. Well, uh, Jason, can you just go easy on us here? Because we are uh, hurting. We are hurting today. Uh, that one was just a really bad situation. We're going to open up today's episode really talking about how that game unfolded. Um, I will say for the Predators and for their fans, uh, we are kind of used to seeing the Predators lay these duds, uh, and that's kind of why the fans are so frustrated right now. But at first, question I want to get to you, Jason, is – for the Vegas Golden Knights, what is the overall sentiment surrounding this team coming out of the All-Star break? Definitely going into this game with the Predators, I'm sure they feel a lot better coming after that game. But even going into that game, are we still thinking Stanley Cup or bust? Because I know that going into the break, the Golden Knights were having some struggles. They lost, like I think, what was it, 7 of 8 or somewhere around that? Yeah, seven area, of nine, so eight of ten. It was something like that. It was, it was, right. it was, it was pretty rough. Um, what I, what I'd like to tell you is, is that in Vegas and Vegas fans, majority of them want Vegas to buy. Uh, majority of them want them to acquire pieces, and I know we'll talk about what those pieces could be in a little bit, and we'll also get to Mark Stone and all these things. Kind of, you know, kind of come full circle uh, for Vegas. The Golden Knights are always going to buy if they're in this similar position, despite what people think. So they've got money now. We know this. We know they like to play uh, hopscotch uh, at, with the uh, LTIR pool. So that's exactly what they're going to do. That's what they've been doing for a couple of years now. It's something that we need to get used to. Vegas is going to buy. And they have no reason not to because the cup window, which is closing slowly, uh, in my opinion, is open right now. And so what they're going to do is they're going to add pieces any way that they can. And, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee in the front office for the Vegas Golden Knights are always looking and uh, they're going to have their eye out. And there's a couple of, uh, there's a couple of guys that uh, I'm sure the Knights have their eye on. Definitely. We're going to get more into that later in this segment here with Jason of the Vegas Fever podcast. Uh, let's go back to last night. Let's talk about this game. I want to get it from your perspective. Let me just go ahead and say this. In the third period, the uh, Predators had six shots on goal. We were coming yes, up into did. territory. We were coming up into territory of all-time records among lowest mm -hmm. amount of shots on goal for an NHL team since they've been keeping the stat. I, I had to quickly look up what the lowest totals were and – uh, there was a team that had zero shots on goal at one time. I think it was in 1958. I'd have to go back and find the exact year, but it was like the New York Rangers had like zero shots on goal. But um, yeah, the Predators franchise low was nine shots on goal in a game. 
Um, I hadn't seen anything quite like this since going all the way back to like 2015 was the last time we really saw a team have this low of a shot total in a game. And it was just an utter train wreck. I got to ask you, uh, Jason, are, are the Golden Knights, is that their calling card? Is ha- playing that suffocating defense that they did to the Predators and just they, they, they looked so structured. They looked so like a well-oiled machine. Anytime the Predators tried to break into the zone, they sniffed it out quickly. Is that what this team's calling card is, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, I will, I will tell you that Bruce Cassidy would love it to be their calling card. Uh, it wasn't something that they had really been able to pride themselves on for the last few weeks before the break. But their tops, you know, their six defensemen, their top six defensemen, are um, what Vegas uses as as bread and butter for that defense. Getting Zach Whitecloud back last night, uh, you know, to pair with just about anybody. And you've got Alex Petrangelo, you've got Alec Martinez, you've got Shea Theodore who just came back. Their, their six defensemen are, are crucial and vital and probably one of the de- best defense cores in the NHL when they're all together and when they're all healthy. Um. So Bruce Cassidy and staff would love to talk about that and hang their hat on that and that be the anchor for their team. Uh, you got to put the puck in the net as well. And Vegas has struggled and both ends of that spectrum, being able to put the puck in the net, being able to stop people from putting the puck in the net. So they're, they're, getting, they're getting healthy, as healthy as they can. Uh, to your point, what you mentioned about the shots on goal for Nashville, that was actually a record for Vegas through two periods to hold a team uh, to six shots yeah. after two periods. Just, and and the Golden Knight franchise record was 14 uh, set a couple of years ago. They've had a couple of 14, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16 shot games. Um, so every once in a while you'll get that from a team. Vegas needs to be way better defensively than they had been. Last night was a great start, and I think that everybody, uh, you know, that's a Golden Knights fan and and, and player, are, are are looking for that to continue. If you're if you're if you're a team out there that's looking to get your defense on track, just schedule the Nashville Predators. You'll be just fine. Because <laughs> oh, I mean that that unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was not an outlier. Yes, it was an all-time really bad offensive performance, but, I mean, the Predators have been one of the lowest-scoring teams in the league um, all year. Uh, Late in that third period, the Predators got a couple, I would call them garbage time shots on goal, and Mm. the fans were literally standing and cheering like the team just scored a goal. It was that bad. I mean, they were letting the players hear it, and they deserved it. I mean, even our beloved captain, Roman Yossi, gave up. Mm. He, he took ownership after the game, saying, I gave them two easy goals. I, and I appreciate the captain coming out there and taking ownership. That's what a leader does. It was not one of his better games ever in his Preds career. It was just an all, all-time really bad game, and you can't do that really against anyone in this league, but you definitely can't do it against a Gold Knights team fresh out of the All-Star break looking right. to get back on track, and that's what we saw. I mean, you're looking in all situations here, expected goals over five for the Golden Knights, Preds with 1.8, high danger chances. Knights had 16, Preds only had five. So, I mean, it was just all all around. And then, you know, you go into the game, um, and you're feeling like the Preds might have a chance here to put some goals on the board because we ended up getting your backup goaltender, uh, Aiden Hill, instead of the all-star yes. Logan Thompson, 
But right. you got to test the goaltender. I mean, you got to make him make some saves. It doesn't matter right. who you're going up against in net if you're not going to put shots on the net. I mean, Aiden Hill has been good enough for the Golden Knights. Good enough to leave uh, Laurent Brassois in Henderson, uh, the AHL affiliate for the Golden Knights, who they signed last year uh, to back up Robin Leonard, who has not been around this year. So Brassois has still been in Henderson, while Aiden Hill has been backing up Logan Thompson who both, in my opinion, have been above average majority of the year. Good enough to uh, keep the Golden Knights on top or near the top of the Pacific. Good enough to get them into a playoff position, um, depending on what else happens up and down the roster, uh, will kind of determine what happens with that. But the goaltending for the Knights has been has been really good and coming off of a break. I expected that it would have been good. I didn't expect uh, Aiden Hill gave up one early. And uh, and then he was good the rest of the game. So Mm -hmm. um, for the Knights, that is that is a positive moving forward. For sure. Being joined by Jason of Vegas Fever podcast at Vegas Fever pod is where you can follow them on Twitter for so much great content. Need to be following them. This is episode 171 presented by Raycon wireless earbuds, promo code THPN and DraftKings also promo code THPN. So go get offers with our promo code there. Let's get to Mark Stone. Let's talk about him, uh, Jason, because it's it's really big news. Mark Stone's one of my favorite players to watch in the league, just from afar, from a fan on the outside, just a fan of the game. I love watching him. I think he's a just a great leader, and, and I love watching him play. Really tough news here. As he's get he, I saw that he had back surgery on January 31st. Uh, the team has kind of struggled without him. Where, where do you, how how bad of a dent does the Mark Stone injury put on the the Gold Knights trying to win the Pacific Division? Obviously, the playoff race is is very very tight right now. Right. Where do you see the impact, the ripple effect there with Mark Stone being out? Um. It's a big impact for the Golden Knights. He's their captain. Uh, He makes so many plays, not only offensively, but defensively. One of the best defensive offense men in the league. Um, One of my one of my favorite players, too, from before he was in Vegas, from his time at Ottawa. Um, It's a big loss. But what made it a big loss last year was the over 500 man games that Vegas lost in addition to Mark Stone. So if you have Stone only missing and nobody else and you add somebody which i'm sure we'll get to um if you add someone it it lessens the blow but that's still your captain it's Mm -hmm. it it's rough it's not ideal i think for knights fans uh and the organization their best hope is that they can get him back for the playoffs and they can add him with no with no hurt to their cap because after when the playoffs start, no, it doesn't matter. You can add who you want yeah. uh, and not worry about the financials, which is great. So stone being out for the year sucks. Uh, there's no other way to put it. If they add a piece to play on a line with Eichel and I have someone in mind, if, cause Eichel is not, he's not the star of a line. He might not even be the star of a team, but when you accompany a piece with him, uh, it makes it very, very interesting. And Mark Stone was that piece. And you don't have that. So it's not ideal. But there is a path for the Knights to get to the playoffs. Uh, and, it, and it may be coming up here very shortly. Uh, at the I deadline. think. 
You know, Jason, I, I'm looking at, other than maybe the Boston Bruins, the Golden Knights are the top team I'm going to be looking at and how they approach the trade deadline, especially with Mark Stone being out. I know they're going to go out there and get themselves a really good player, uh, and they're in that position. I'm looking at the division race right now in the Pacific. I, I mean, it is so cluttered. You're talking about fifth place and first place separated by six points. Cal- Calgary, Vegas leapfrog to first place in the Pacific Division. You got Seattle and L.A., two very quality teams, tied at 63 points, one point behind Vegas. So I, I truly feel Vegas will definitely make the playoffs, even without Mark Stone. But it is a little too close for comfort here. You can't have, your, you can't have one of these five, six-game losing streaks, or you can quickly find yourself in that – wild card bubble like and i know vegas doesn't right. want any part of that because they yeah. are a playoff caliber team it's very true and it's what happened right before the break vegas was up six eight points on seattle and, and la and then all of a sudden they're in third um which which when the golden knights are not in first place in the pacific there's like alarms that go off in the fan base and flash bulbs and it's it's a it's, it's super panic mode. Uh, you could see it when when you look on Twitter and I know that you know Twitter is not the end all be all but I mean there's a lot that people have to say and you got to listen to the fan base and you got to kind of see what people are saying some of it's trash of course but when when Vegas is not tops in the Pacific because of what what we're all used to out here it's um, it's troubling uh, and it can you can get behind the eight ball really really quick, like you said. And Seattle this year is not Seattle last year, and LA has been better LA's the last legit. couple of years. Exactly. And you've got it is Edmonton with Connor McDavid. Are they going to make that hump? Are they going to make it over that hump? You know. And then you've got teams like, of course, you know, Calgary's not having a, a good go at it. Neither is Anaheim, and you know those teams can beat you any given night. So you've got to play your best hockey. And uh, and the Golden Knights are no different from that. Yeah, the, the Pacific Division is is been a very – it's really shown improvement from top to bottom over the last couple of years. I mean, with the emergence of Seattle, with L.A. going through the long process of revamping their roster, they are certainly legit. They're a fun team to watch. I look at Edmonton as like this sleeping giant that just won't wake up because they've, I mean, right. you got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you know, you've, it's like, and they've got pieces around them, but I don't, it's hard to trust Edmonton, obviously, but they're two points back as well. Calgary mm-hmm. is a good blue collar defensive team that can grind, grind out a seven game playoff series. It's not a team you want to go up against in a seven game playoff series with the way they play and with their goaltending. So I'm really going to be focused on how, ha- Vegas and what they do with the deadline. Is there any players out there you're in particular looking at that could possibly boost this Vegas Golden Knights roster? There's three, and we talked about it last uh, night on our show. Um, What comes to mind to me automatically, uh, first and foremost, is Patrick Kane from the Chicago Mm -hmm. Blackhawks. I think that Kane is going to be looking to move, even though he states – He's not going to know until it gets closer to the deadline. Uh, well, every second, an hour, and minute, you know, we're getting closer. You know, so so Patty Kane is going to need to make a choice. And I think that uh, teams like Vegas, uh, New Jersey, and others are going to be uh, aggressive. And and I feel like 
Patrick Kane could end up on the same line as Jack Eichel uh, if Kelly McCrimmon so wishes and has enough to give. Uh, there's also Vladdy Tarasenko from the St. Louis Blues, I think, who could be looking like for that. a new place to uh, call home. An old teammate of Alex Petrangelo, I think those guys would kind of, you know, get offense, defense right right into it. And and both are really, really good when they were on that uh, 19 Blues Cup winning team. Uh, and also uh, to kind of round out a Pacific Division uh, rival player who I think would fit in with the Golden Knights for very well, not just this year, but even years past, we could have had this guy, Timo Meyer. Uh, Timo Meyer yeah. would be a great ad for the Vegas Golden Knights. And if everybody can get over the fact that he's a San Jose Shark right now, um, everybody got over that Pete DeBoer fact when he was a Shark fired and then hired by the Golden Knights. I think those three guys would do wonders for Vegas. And there's more. There, you know, there's other people that, you know, there's other guys that you know, Vegas has flirted with. Um, Tarasenko's blues teammate. Uh, it starts with an A, and I can't I can't pronounce it. Is it a Curie, a Cure, a Cure something? Um, Kyru, Jordan Kyru? Maybe I I don't know. I thought it started with an A, and it and it right. leaves me now. Of course, it leaves me right now. But you know, <laughs> Vegas has been has been flirty with a couple of guys already. Uh, but those are the three that that I think that Vegas should go after. Yeah, I would put my money on the Golden Knights getting one of those three. Those are three really good players that make sense for a team like Vegas who, you know, like they're already a Stanley Cup caliber team, I feel like. Uh, I, th- I would put them in, in one of maybe five or six teams um, when they're fully healthy and, and whatnot that they could they could make a run. And adding another piece like one of those three, oh, like Patrick Kane on the Golden Knights, yeah. that's scary. That's scary yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I, know. I know it. Um but I've seen Patrick Kane also linked to Boston. So he's going to have a lot of suitors. He's going to have a lot of suitors. Yeah. I like the Vladimir Tarasenko one from you though. I think that one's an even better one. Honestly, he's not because you know, Kane's not the same superstar he once was, but you put him on a team. He's going to score some big goals for you. I like Vladimir Tarasenko. I think he definitely needs, he just needs some, a new change of scenery. And I think a place like Vegas, he could flourish for you guys. So that's very, very interesting. All right, we are with Jason here from the Vegas Fever podcast. We just talked about the the game last night, uh, Preds fall to the Golden Knights 5-1. to one. We're, we, We've touched on the Mark Stone injury and how that's going to impact the Vegas Golden Knights. We're both feeling like Vegas is going to be heavy, uh, active buyers at the trade deadline. It's just a matter of which one of these big-time players they go after. And let's round out this segment. First of all, it's been so much fun, Jason. Um, welcome on anytime. We love watching your show. We're gonna we're gonna share it with all of our followers and stuff. Let's let's talk about. I really just meet this is a personal question because I it was so fascinating when it happened uh, right. when Jack Eichel came to the Golden Knights. I mean, because the the whole saga with Buffalo and it ended really really ugly and. He wanted out of Buffalo. He finally got out of there. He had the injury concerns with Eichel, but we know his talent is unquestionable. So how are things working out with Eichel in Vegas? Are fans pleased with what he's brought to the team? Are we having a little buyer's remorse? How are we feeling about Jack Eichel? Well, Chad, thank you so much for having us on. Much, much appreciated. Um, it's been it's been fun. I love talking puck anytime I can. Um, Jack Eichel. Is, was a great addition to the Golden Knights when it happened, um, you know, right around Thanksgiving 2021. I remember it, it, news broke overnight. They were sending Alex Tuck 
um, and another player and, you know, and some, some picks or money or whatever to, you know, Buffalo to get Jack Eichel. Um, and it was great. I, I felt like at the time it was a really, really good move. Uh, I still feel like it's a good move. I feel like Eichel isn't as much of a leader as he could be at this current time. He's been called out uh, so much uh, of that by Bruce Cassidy has called him out for um, needing, needing to insert leadership a little bit more and show and show us more. Um, Everybody wants to compare the stats between, you know, Alex Tuck and uh, Jack Eichel and Alex Tuck has played more games because Jack Eichel had neck surgery. So I feel some of those numbers are a little skewed. Uh, I feel like long-term it's going to work out for Jack. You know, Alex Tuck had a bunch of injuries. Uh, It was brought up to me in our show last night that Alex Tuck has only played one uh, with the Golden Knights out of the four opening games, uh, opening night games that he had with the Golden Knights in four years. He only played one of those games. He, he did suffer his fair share of injuries. Um, he may be remembered a lot in Vegas for missing a cheap goal that he should have had in the Stanley cup final in 2018 game two, um, the save as they call it in Washington. Um, I feel like it's a good move. I feel like he will work out. I feel like you get him some help. Uh, I, I don't think there's any reason to get down on it because he's had a rough go at, you know, of it. In my opinion, he had a raw deal in Buffalo. Let's be quite honest about Buffalo and their organization from when Jack Eichel was drafted until the time he was traded. Yes, he did ask for a trade a couple of years or so before he was actually traded. But let's think about why that was. The organization, the Buffalo Sabres organization, was not very good. Now, you could say that they sell tickets, and that's wonderful. But they're not a great or- they weren't a great organization to play for. Maybe they're better now, and that's fine. But you draft a guy, you bring him up, he's yours. You should treat him better than you treated. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, than you treated him. They booed him his first game back, and he got retribution this past year, and I was so thankful that he did because the way he was treated was poor. In my opinion, I am not a Buffalo Sabres fan. I am not from Buffalo. I don't know anything about Buffalo, but you know what I mean? You don't treat a guy like that, in my opinion. And I'm glad he was able to have a hat trick game um, and kind of (laughs) shove it back in their faces. I'm not going to be I'm not going to pull punches. I was very happy about that. I was I was screaming in my living room and um, I, I feel like it'll all work out for Vegas either, you know, when Mark Stone comes back or adding a piece. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big. I was a big fan of Jack Eichel getting out of Buffalo as well. I thought I, I'm right there with you. I, I felt the same exact way. I thought he was being mistreated. I thought he had every right to want to get out of there, and and you know, I thought it was kind of a risk for anybody to take take a flyer on him. And so when I saw Vegas went and got him, I was like, uh, that's a high risk, high reward proposition here, but. I'm with you. I think you got to show a little patience here. Um, let these things play out. Uh, Eichel's still a very relatively young player in this league, and he's still got all the talent in the world to, you know, be a superstar. So, 
Um, I think it's going to work out for you guys as well. Uh, Jason, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you for getting episode 171 off to such a great start here on Catfish on Ice. We really appreciate it. Uh, we can talk hockey with you anytime. And I would say, well, hey, maybe if the Predators get a wild card spot and have to play Vegas in the first round, we'll meet up. But I don't know if the Predators are going to make the party. So, um, they, I mean, they got a chance. There's plenty of hockey left. That's the thing about it. I think they're six points back now because it yeah, was four. So, I mean, yeah, you know, there's the, there's plenty of hockey left. You've got you've got a good month, you know, six weeks, um, basically until the play. Or you know, maybe a little bit, you know, give or take a little bit more than that. It's you've a got grind. time. It, it, it is, is a grind. You know, it, it, is, it is a grind. I know it's cliche, but it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, especially in hockey. You go through these pockets of really bad games. You go through these pockets where you have really good games. I think the most important thing is for both of our teams, even though obviously the Golden Knights are in a much better position right now, um, you got to avoid those long losing streaks. You got to turn the page fast. So if you're the Predators coming out of this game, you got to turn the page fast. You got to obviously correct the issues you had in this game, but you got to turn the page fast. You got to think ahead here. Uh, and not let that game compound to any more games. If you're Vegas coming out of this game, bottle up what you did, take it into the next game. Uh, I think you guys got Minnesota coming up in your next matchup. We will. I'll be cheering for Vegas in that game. I'm not trying to butter you up, butter you up here, Jason. I will be pulling for Vegas in that game because I think Minnesota is one of those teams that the Predators are going to have to pass in the standings if they want to make the playoffs. So I will be scoreboard watching and going for Vegas, at least for that game. I mean, it's much appreciated. I mean, you you know, you could you could butter all you like. I like butter. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> there you go. It, you know, it's a great it's a great thing. Um, Vegas has to go up against the Minnesota Wild for the first time. Uh, it's one of three teams Vegas has not played. Vegas has not played. I think it's Minnesota, Carolina, and it was Nashville. No, no, okay. wait, they played Nashville New Year's. No, yeah, they played no. earlier in the year. Minnesota that was a fun game. Minnesota, Carolina, and there's another team that Vegas has not played this year. Ryan Reeves is on Minnesota, an ex Vegas Golden Knight uh, enforcer, and I'm not mm, looking forward to playing. For you. I'm not. I'm not looking line. forward to that. I think that's a good because, matchup. That's an intriguing matchup. Yeah. Minnesota, Vegas. I think that's a very intriguing matchup. I, I don't know what to think of Minnesota. They're so up and down. Uh, sometimes they look like a really good quality team. Other times they look like a non-playoff team. So you'll we'll see what version of Minnesota. Uh, you guys get on Thursday. But again, Jason, it's been a lot of fun. Vegas Fever podcast host. Go check them out at Vegas Fever Pod on Twitter. It's been awesome opening up episode 171 with him. Again, Raycon, promo code THPN, and DraftKings, promo code THPN is our sponsor. We will be right back. My two co hosts, Kyle Perkins and Rich Howe, will be joining us to finish out episode 171. We have plenty of Fred's topics to get into. Stay tuned for that. Take it easy, Jason. Thank you, Chad. And welcome back. It's episode 171 of Catfish on Ice. Just had a really awesome interview with Jason from the Vegas Fever podcast. Got noises going on in my ears right now. I don't know what these noises are. You went live and I got the notification. So if you sign up on YouTube... There you and go. Subscribe, you'll get dings just like that. Get dings when you, we go live, just like dingers. that. I was being reminded. All right, we had Vegas Fever <laughs> Podcast join you to go 
to open episode 171 of Catfish on Ice. This is Chad Minton with Rich Allen, Kyle Perkins, giving you this live portion on Twitter right now and on our YouTube channel. Yeah, go hit subscribe right now. We would really appreciate it. Comment on the live stream. We have a lot of fun on these podcasts. Um, we've got a lot of get, a lot to get into. First of all, thank you to um, Jason from the uh, Vegas Fever podcast for joining us to uh, open this episode. We talked about last night's game, guys. Oh, wow. Uh, where do we even begin on that one? Woof. That's all you can say is, ugh. Woof? Man. Is that how we're starting it? Yeah, oof. It, well, not woof. Oof. Like, ugh. It is, it's the first game I've ever turned off and um, watched something else. I watched – it the was first, bad. I watched the first period, and I, and I didn't watch the rest, but, but that was because we were watching something as a family. But I kept up with it enough, and I could tell what was going on. And the first period was bad enough. So, you know what? If you were oh, fucking rich, if you first of all, I don't blame me for changing it after the first period, but um, it didn't do it justice. If you were actually watching the game, it made it so much worse. Because oh, I'm sure. I mean, it felt like a junior varsity rec league team that just met before the game. Like <laughs> I, I felt like the Predators met up outside of the local YMCA. I don't know if YMCA's have ice rinks, but you know what I'm trying to get at here. They met up outside the building. They said, "Hey guys, I'm gonna go play, play a little pickup." Pick Let's yeah. let's let's get a pickup game going tonight. Like uh, uh shirts and skins. Your shirts, <laughs> we're skins. Uh let's get a game together. We'll all you know, whatever. And I felt like the uh Vegas Golden Knights have been playing together for years and yep. the Predators had just met each other prior to the puck drop. We're not there the- was no chemistry. There was no chemistry. There was no structure from the Predators part. It was so ugly. Oh yeah. Mike Twitter, ugh, worst game, but we knew it. Preds are terrible after multiple days off. High right. track record. Yeah, we we know that. Everybody knows that. Max Greenberg, haven't seen him in a while. Been to a lot of bad games, a lot of blowouts. I don't think I've ever been to a game that was as dull as that one. It was pretty bad. Yeah, I've, guys, I've, it was it, it was really bad. It what really. You know, these games are going to happen throughout the course of an 82-game season. I think what makes this really, really stick out and makes it look really bad right now is that you're coming off an 11-day break. You should be rested. Yeah, you're coming out of a break like that. There's no excuses. The team was preaching how hungry they were to get back to the ice and all these things, and you lay a dud like that. It's not like you went toe-to-toe with them and you still lost and you put out a good effort. And you put out a, This was probably one of the worst losses they've had all season. It ranks up there. We can go back and look at their schedule. There's a few games to choose from. They've had some <laughs> bad losses this year, but sure. I would have to rank it up there as one of the worst. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. We're going to look back. You know, everyone is hating on David Poyle. It's always that way. It's it's every hour is hate on David Poyle hour. But um, sure. we are going to look back at his best and worst moves of his tenure. I've got a few of his good ones. We're going to look at his draft picks. We're going to look at some of his trades he's made over the off seasons. We're going to look at it. 
free agency, what whatnot. I've got some moves, both good and bad, and some that are still up in the air. We can make our decisions later on that. Uh, we are going to catch up on where are they now? Former Predators who were on this team last year, um, even a player that was on this team this year. Oh, gonna stir the pot with that. That's gonna that's gonna rub <laughs> salt in the wound. Oh yeah, that's for still all a, these Predators fans that are it's struggling. Still right a now. topic. That's still a topic. Yeah, but we're gonna do that. We're gonna catch up on how these players are doing, and then we got some NHL quick hitters to hit on. Uh, a questionable hit that's under fire right now. The golden boy, Cal McCarr, gets hit. Quick and hitter. everyone's uh, up in arms right now. All-Star Weekend takeaways, guys. Um, my first word is cringe. Uh, can the NHL figure out a way to market their sport any worse? It was like I nails like, on a chalkboard, I man. It. I enjoyed it. They were, tr- they were trying. We'll, we'll hit on it to close we'll out the episode. But I thought it. I thought they missed the mark on a lot of different opportunities. Some of these skills challenges were like they were so confusing. Like you, you felt like you had to do your homework to figure out the rules. You're right about that. But um, the only one. <laughs> at least they tried. At least they at tried. Least they and they- also, better goalie goal, Pekka or Soros, because guess what? It might not have been a regular season game, but UC Soros scored a goalie goal. He did. He did. He did. Which one was better? They were both pretty good in their own right. We will discuss which one was better. Yes. Discuss amongst yourselves. Before we do that, before we do all that, we're presented by DraftKings, promo code THPN. Uh, Guys, are you ready for the biggest Sunday in all sports? I think you know where I'm going with this. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. You know, honestly, I've lost track of what Super Bowl number we are at, at what we're at every year. But luckily, DraftKings has me uh, has me there. 57. We're at Super Bowl 57, guys. It, hey, be honest, guys, both of you. If someone rapid fire walked up to you in public and said, what Super Bowl number are we at this year? Would you be able to answer? No. No. Absolutely not. I, w- I would have guessed in the 50s, but I don't know if I would have said 57. I would have had no but clue. It's, ep- it's Super Bowl 57. Is that like L-L-X-V-I-I? Don't try to quiz me on Roman numerals tonight, Rich. Please don't. It's already late right now. We're all in the Eastern time zone. I have joined we you guys are. in the Eastern time zone. Right. Don't test so me. So you know the struggle Newman. now. Yeah, the struggle is real. I do. For sure. Continue on with the DraftKings read. Do not be testing me on Roman numerals this late, Rich. For sure. But know. DraftKings has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Instantly. Bonus usually means good, right? Anytime we hear the word bonus, it usually means a good thing. $200. So, yeah, bonus. Yes. Bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check in. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. 
to see what prop bet will be boosted. This is almost as complicated as the uh, All-Star Weekend. The tandem. Goalie tandem. <laughs> the goalie. The Tendy tandem. But, what, right? Yeah. Between 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern, check every day. It's that simple. It's actually pretty simple. And there will be new prop bets available to DraftKings customers. Here's my thing. Let's talk about our let's talk about our Super Bowl picks real quick. Uh, let's get it out of the way. I think we did this last year. Um, we don't talk football very often, but we got to talk Super Bowl here for at least a little bit. Um, I'm going Philadelphia Eagles. I am. I love Jalen Hurts. Love me some Jalen Hurts. I love the Eagles' defense. They have a really good defense. I know Kyle down there is an NFC guy. His Chicago Bears. Um, they got one of the top picks. So we got, we got that the going first for pick. Consolation. First pick. My bad. Yeah. Congratulations. So, um, Hooray. how are you <laughs> feeling, Kyle? You like my Kyle? Do you like my Eagles pick? I do. Um, and I'm like you. I wanted Chicago to trade for Jalen Hurts uh, whenever he was available there a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm I'm with you on that train. So I I, I think as long I think as long as the Kansas City Chiefs don't get all the gift calls from the officials, then the Eagles got a chance to probably win this game. I think they're the better team. They're well coached. They've got a really good defense. They've got a great quarterback. They got the former Tennessee Titan, A.J. Brown, that just sticks a stake into the hearts of all the Titans fans because, you know, they traded him away or whatever. Um, yep. Yeah. I got the Eagles. Rich, I know you're not a big football aficionado, but who are you going with? Let's Eagles. make it a clean, clean sweep. Eagles. Going Eagles? I'm going Eagles. Going Eagles. Mahomes, is, he's got foot problem. He was looking okay, so or was he or, F- or was he just playing it up? I don't know. Uh, he, said, he says he's good. He says he's good. He says yeah, he's feeling he better. I read that today. Um, so clean mm. sweep around the catfish and ice panel. We're all taking Eagles, which means Kansas City yeah. Chiefs are your Super Bowl the champions. The superb owl champions. <laughs> Either. Either way, whether you take our pick of Eagles or you take the Chiefs, either way, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes below the episode for details. If you have a gambling crisis, have gambling problems, need gambling help, there are ways you can get assistance on that and get help. We have phone numbers below to do that. All right. I got to go. I'm going to go with Rich first on this one. You get to be the first person to talk about the meltdown that we witnessed. I know you said you turned the game off, but you still are very aware of what happened. Uh, The Predators were flirting with NHL records here in a bad way. Bad records. In terms of shots on goal, they had six shot on shots on goal coming up on the midway point of the third period. Yes, six shots on goal. Um, I had to scramble at the time to look up and see what was their franchise lowest number, and I was uh, very. Yep. 
Well, it, so nine nine is the nine. franchise record. They ended up getting some garbage time shots on goal, which the Preds fans sarcastically gave them cheers for it, <laughs> which they deserved. And uh, but yeah, they were flirting with it. It was that bad. It was that bad. Uh, besides that, Rich, what what went wrong, man? Like, I mean, what do you think? Well, the the first goal that the Predator scored was awesome. That was yeah. a great. That was a great goal. I was like, oh wow, they've came out swinging. They're ready to go. But man, after that, just bad. Just lots of breakaways. Um, left left. Soros hung out to dry yet again, multiple times. Um, I was surprised that they left him in. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Send Lankin and out there and let him get scored on a little bit too. But uh, yeah, just, just, just overall, just bad defensive breakdowns leading to scoring chances for, for Vegas. Um, I don't have a good feeling about uh, the rest of the, this little time up until the trade deadline. So we can talk about that a little bit as well, but we can, we can touch on that for sure. I, um, I, I just have, I just think that's, they had a good run. I just, I don't see them making the playoffs anymore. I just well, well to piggyback on what you just said, Rich, and then we're going to go to Kyle, but to piggyback on what you just said, Rich, in terms of all the odd man rushes they were giving up. And I mean, after the Preds scored that early goal, by Matt Duchesne, as you said, it was a really pretty goal, but it came right. so early in the game and and whatnot, and it was like a, it was almost like that never happened the rest of the game oh, yeah. because Vegas just like inserted their will and they 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 skated so freely in their mm-hmm. offensive opportunities, and they didn't need that many. It turned out they really didn't. They could sit on the lead. They basically could sit on the yeah. lead. And midway through the second period, I think I tweeted out saying Vegas can just sit on this yeah, lead. Like absolutely. they don't have to take any chances. They don't have to do anything. Just Mm-mm. force the Predators to do something. And they couldn't. They couldn't. The Predators just skated into a brick wall every time. You need playmakers to make plays. And no one showed up last night. Nobody. Even the captain, Roman Yossi, had to own up a own up to it and say uh, credit Alex Doherty who first tweeted it out from A Disease Sports. Uh, Roman Yossi took ownership for two goals. He said, I gave them two easy goals. Yeah. And he did. He did, absolutely. For sure. That one. So Kyle, I saw the one where he Kyle, fell down and then that caused the odd man rush. Yeah. And they scored on that one. I didn't see the other one, <clears throat> but just bad. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, Kyle, other than that, man, like, wh- where do you see this team going from here? Like, turn the page quickly, you hope. Um, you know, you got you got another three days off, and then you play Philly, which, you know, obviously is is a down-and-out team who's probably sellers at the deadline. They're not going anywhere. Trap. So, maybe, maybe you can pick up a couple cheap points, come in pissed off. Or it's a trap. What are you thinking, Kyle? If they're going to play like that, I'm really concerned about playing anybody. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Like, one thing that really concerned me was when Juice got ran over and nobody really did anything. Oh. That was that was concerning. 
Um, I really didn't like that. You saw Arsenal early in the game uh, took offense to somebody running into Juice and went after the guy. But other than that, just kind of free reign on him the rest of the game. It they're looking like some really well. They look worse than the uh, Winter Classic Preds. Oh wow! I agree with that. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those situations. You're looking at some of these underlying mm-hmm. numbers here. Uh, expected goals for uh, Vegas, you know, had uh, 4.55 to Nashville's 1.95. Um, you're also looking at high danger chances for, according to natural stat trick, was 16 to 5 in favor of Vegas. I mean, five high danger chances in one game. Forget about the shots on goal. I mean, that's mm-hmm. another low number. Five high, high danger chances. It doesn't matter, matter who you're going up against in net. They're all NHL quality goaltenders, even backups. And yep. Aiden Hill's been decent for them as a backup for Vegas. But you're not testing the goaltender at all. Like, you got no chance. No. Uh, it's, they're honestly lucky that they didn't get shut out and they got one goal, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. So yeah, if And if Duchesne hadn't have pretty much took that on his own shoulders, they wouldn't have got that one. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, really bad game here. Here's my thing. So they go into Philly – and on Saturday, it's a day game. It's like one of those weird matinee games that don't happen very often. They don't um, do all those. You, say, you say it's a trap game. <clears throat> you know, I actually think they'll probably win that game. I'll go on record and say it right now. I could see them going into that game, toying with our emotions, playing pretty well. They're probably going to come out of this game really having to look each other in the mirror and think about, oh, wow, like we really stuck up the joint. Like, Bridgestone Arena was literally cheering sarcastically about a shot on goal in the third period because we we sucked that bad, mm-hmm. you know. So I do think that they're going to come out guns blazing, and hopefully that should mean that they beat a team like the Flyers who are dead in the water. They're not going anywhere. But what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? This is why no one is buying stock in the Predators doing anything in the playoffs even if they make it there is because of games like this so Mm -hmm. yeah you go and beat the flyers on saturday congratulations get a pat on the back it's not going to change my emotions one way or the other i do think they'll beat the flyers i could be wrong you can call me out on it after the game happens i think they'll beat the flyers most likely and they'll hang around this playoff bubble like they do every year but when you see games like this against quality teams like the Golden Knights, a team that you could very possibly face in the first round if you do make it. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, <clears throat> for sure. That, that's I mean, why no one that's why no one has confidence in this team if they make the playoffs. It's because yeah. of games like that. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. They had they had their their team meeting, and that was supposed to be their you know, let's look in the mirror and figure this out and everybody step up. And they did well. They did well for those games. But you can't come back. You can't come back after uh, playing so well and just play the way they played. I mean, that, there's just no excuse after after they had their team meeting. What else can, What else is there to talk about? There's nothing else for them to, to do or talk about. What are they? If they haven't got it figured out by now, you know, shame on them. 
because <laughs> we're over halfway through the season. So, yeah, I don't know. It's not going to be. I mean, how many, how many wake up calls do you need? Yeah, exactly. How many times yeah. this year have we said, oh, this will be a wake up call for them? Yeah. Uh, like, to get their stuff together. How many times do you need a wake up call? Yeah, like in a few weeks, guys you've been playing with for a long time are probably going to be gone. I mean, that's, that's, you know, they, they talk about like being a tight knit group and all this stuff. And like, and this is how you play with, with your teammates. It's like Matias Ekholm could be gone in a few weeks. I mean, uh, any of those guys, Gail mm. Grandlin, you never know any of those guys. If they, if they keep doing what they do. Well, if, if we're talking about that kind of speculation, then it's Dante Fabro most likely. Or him. He, he's probably he's probably the easiest player to move right now because, you know, for all the criticism he gets from a lot of Preds fans, I don't think a lot of it is deserved. I know Kyle's not big on Dante Fabro. He's actually played pretty well lately. He is not nearly the biggest problem on this team. Um, no. You could, I think, he's the easiest player to move right now. That doesn't mean he's the best player necessarily. I'm just saying. He's the easiest player to move right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think Granlin's easy to move as much as you want to move him. You know, we thought it was a good bargain deal at the time, but the guy's got a few years left on his contract here. That's true. uh, Because they re-signed him. And yeah, he's for a bargain in terms of AAV, but he's done nothing this season to boost his value to be anything more than a bottom six type of player. So who's really going to look for him out in the trade market? I was just saying in general, just guys. No, I get you. I get you. I get you. I'm just saying, like, they've got some guys they can move. I don't know if Poyle's going to like the the offers he gets Mm -hmm. for some of these players. I think that's the problem. I think, if anything, we're probably stuck with what we have unless David Poyle has some player he really, really likes out there that he can invest in. But – you know, of course, we don't really want to see him sell the farm for that because we know this team is more than just one or two pieces away from competing for a Stanley Cup, most likely. So yeah. you're not going to solve all of your issues at one trade deadline, especially with the cap restraints that we have right now mm-hmm. in the in the NHL. This is going to be a very – I mean, this trade deadline is not going to be very exciting. You're going to have a couple of big players be. move. Well, you've got a couple players, big name players. Patrick Kane's going to move. You got you got Timo Meyer that's going to move. Uh, what happens with a few other players? But there's a lot of teams that can't make moves, even mm-hmm. if they want to. The cap okay. restraints. They just with a flat cap, you just can't do it. Yeah, it's just usually when you try to get somebody who you really want, your the rest of your high dollar players are playing really well, and unfortunately, it's not the case they're not i mean they have their their moments but i don't know just you, well rich you bring up matias Ekholm. he's a player that i misspoke a little bit because matias Ekholm would absolutely get a bigger trade mm-hmm. package than dante fabro yeah. i guess what i should say is i do not see david poyle trading away matias Ekholm because i don't think david poyle is ready to admit <laughs> give up and move on and be a rebuilding team. And if he trades away Matias Ekholm, he's pretty much saying, okay, you know what? 
everybody's right. It's time to rebuild. It's time to move on. We can't compete in the playoffs. Let's trade away Matias Ekholm. If David Poyle still wants to win in this year's playoffs and he thinks this team can make the playoffs, he's not trading away Matias Ekholm. He's no, not absolutely that. not. But I just don't see him making it for some reason. I just, I don't know. It, they they could prove me wrong, obviously, but I don't, know. I don't know. But a game like this, though, it's just it so just it, it just it just. It makes you easily forget about all the good they did before the All Star break because mm-hmm. everybody know, was. It, it, it's a weird situation right now for the Predators. Yeah, we're all, we're all upset, obviously, but like that same night, Seattle got beat. And they're like top of their division, and uh, they got beat four nothing. So it happens, but you just it's so close to us that we, you know, just hate. hate I think I think it was mainly just the. Just the no shots on goal at all. Yeah, yeah. It just it looks like they're. It makes it look like they're not trying. Yeah, uh, and I it hate was the to effort. Say that, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Very, ra- very rarely do we have to criticize the effort of the Nashville Predators. Normally, when we criticize a Predators loss, it's because of other things like. Mm-hmm too many penalties or you couldn't connect on the power play or whatever. But very rarely do we watch a Predators game and think and question their effort. And that was one of those games where I literally had to question the effort of this team. I had to think, are they really in this? Do mm-hmm. they like, did, are they still on vacation right now? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I like that's what it felt like. It felt like they were still on vacation, whereas Vegas came ready to play. And this game did scare me coming into it because Vegas was in a world of hurt on in their own right going oh, into yeah. the All-Star break. You were talking about two different teams trending in different directions going into a break. You got one team who was playing terrible going into the break, fell back to third place in their division mm-hmm. in a very crowded P- Pacific division. They beat the Predators. They had lost seven of nine going into the All-Star break. They come back. They play the Predators out of the All-Star break. And by beating the Predators in that dominating performance, they leapfrog back into first place in the Pacific Division. So one team came ready to play and came focused. The other team was still on vacation. Yeah. I mean, it's just <clears throat> it's, it's, it's just baffling. Um the uh, the first guy who scored, Michael Amadio, never even heard of him. Never even heard of him. Um, hmm. I don't know. And their goaltender, he was at the All Star uh, game, and they didn't play him. I wonder if they should have maybe played Lankin in for this. Gave I mean, Charles a couple of days off. I don't. Know. I'm not. I don't think help. a gold. I don't think would have helped. Yeah, for sure. There's too many, like too many breakaways, too many odd man rushes. And when Vegas got out to that quick lead, you know, they were, they were up three to one before this first intermission. And you, you found out really quickly that it was going to be near impossible for the predators to put up four goals in this game. Yeah. When they fell behind three to one, it was like three to one. It felt over 11 minutes of the game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. 
Ugly. Uh, you you may have never heard of Amadio, but you have heard of Phil Kessel. He gets a For goal. Sure. William Carrier. You know, Petrangelo, Petrangelo puts an empty netter out. Chandler Stevenson was at the All-Star game. He had two points, a goal, and an assist. <clears throat> so These are definitely one of those games where you just want to forget about it as quick as you can. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you get Philly next. So we will see how it works out. Again, we talked to Jason to begin this episode. Um, if you're just joining live right now, Download the episode tomorrow, or you can go to YouTube right now, and we got the full interview available on YouTube with Jason from the Vegas Fever podcast. Me and him broke this game down as well. We got his perspective from a Vegas perspective. He said he was very surprised about how this game unfolded, and he had way more respect for the Predators than most Predators fans have for their own team, so take that for what it is. There's not many Predators fans that have respect for their... <laughs> but Jason was awesome. He was a great guest. Go check out the Vegas Fever podcast. They are awesome. Um, really awesome content covering a, a team that, other than Boston, Vegas is like number two on my radar of teams I'm really watching on the trade deadline to see who they buy and who they get. Because they're going to get somebody big. Vegas is especially with Mark Stone out for the rest of the season. They can put him on, they can put him on LTIR and now they have an open roster spot. Look for Vegas to go for Patrick Kane. Look for Vegas to go for a Timo Meyer. Vladimir Tarasenko's out there. We talked about it with Jason. Good way to open up the episode. Go check it out on YouTube. Or if you're listening live right now, you got to download the episode tomorrow in its entirety. Episode 171, we are presented by Raycon and DraftKings. We already told you about DraftKings. Let's tell you about Raycon. Wireless earbuds. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, it's pretty unrealistic. (laughs) I know the Predators, hey, those natural Predators, they're trying to make these big changes, but they're still the same old damn team. They tried. They do try. But they did change. They got worse. <laughs> you know, the big New Year's resolutions, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start reading more. That's my big one. I said I was going to start reading more, guys. Like books or magazines? No, real books. Like, like I real said, books? Because I, I actually do enjoy reading. I do. I, I enjoy sitting down and reading a good book. My problem is I am such an impatient person that whenever I sit down and start reading a book, I like – get sidetracked too easily. Like a noise might happen outside the window or something might happen. I just like, I get distracted, but we all have new year's resolutions. You're probably wondering where I'm going with this in terms of Raycon wireless earbuds, right? Bring it around. Land the plane. I've actually, I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact in the same way You don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. So, Raycon 
in your routine. Raycon, if you're listening to your podcast, if you're listening to your favorite podcast, Catfish on Ice, you're listening to Elliot Friedman, the GOAT, you're listening to 32 Thoughts Podcast. We get it. If there's one podcast hockey that you're going to listen to over us, we will give you full permission to listen to Elliot Friedman, the GOAT, in the 32 Thoughts Podcast, because I do that. So I can't blame you for doing it if I do it. But whatever podcast you listen to, Raycon is great. If you're going to go on a walk, if you're going to go on a jog, they're water resistant. They have all these great touchless features. And like I said, it's for a great price. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones. I forgot about that. We have a lot of gamers out there. Xbox, online gaming. It's great for that as well. Or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party. Raycon's got you covered. They got the wireless speakers. And yep, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. So you're getting a great quality for half the price. Sounds good to me. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. If you have multiple pairs of ear everyday earbuds, where do you keep them? You keep them safe. You keep them where, you, where, where no one else can get them right, and you have fun, and you do your thing. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. So I can personally endorse Raycon wireless earbuds. They are amazing. They're great. Three customizable Sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear, call quality, water and sweat resistance. They got it all. Raycon has it all. So use our promo code THPN to get offers on your Raycon wireless earbuds. All right, guys. Let's move on to David Poyle, one of our favorite people ever. He is a great guy, but gosh, I feel so bad for that guy and all the crap he gets. He's got a hard job, man. Man, it's, yeah. So let's look at his best and worst moves as Predators GM. He's been the only GM, of course, of this franchise ever. Um, let's start. Let, we want to start with the positive or the negative, guys. You pick. Let's do the negative. End it uh, on. Oh, you want well, it out of the way? Do it your way then. No, uh-huh. we'll get that. We'll get the bad out of the way. I mean, it's pretty easy what the worst one is of all time. I mean, it's Kyle Turris, right? We're still paying for him. Yeah. Oh, I think there might be one worse. Oh, oh you got okay. One worse. Not that well, one. Right. That one ranks up there pretty Hold good. On. Before Kyle, before you go and give us your your worst one hmm. than Kyle Turris, let me yeah. share. The Kyle, oh, let me let me refresh everyone's memories for why Kyle Turris haunts everyone's nightmares. If you're a Predators fan, uh, was originally acquired in a three-way trade in November 2017. Duchesne, Matt Duchesne was involved in that trade. He went to the Ottawa Senators. Sam Gerrard, which is a really promising young defenseman, hasn't really worked out in Colorado. He's kind of a tweener third pairing defenseman so you don't really feel too bad about losing him when you look back on it now but uh here's the problem the (laughs) preds are still paying for 
Kyle Turris in the buyout of two million per year until 2028. Five more years of that. I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch tomorrow, much less what's going to happen in 2028. And this team is still going to be paying for Kyle Turris in 2028. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that that one's bad. That one is bad. Um, You know what? And it wasn't necessarily the turn or the uh, AAV at the time. It was $6 million. Okay. Not really that crazy. He was he was a good player when they made yeah. the trade for him. But it was the term. It was how it was the long-term deal. And that's what really has gotten David Poyle into all this hot water over the years. And and we're gonna talk about some that's of these other we, decisions he's made in this segment here. But yeah. it's the long-term deals. You're gonna sense a theme here, is what's gotten him into trouble. Yeah. Um, stay away from the long-term deals, especially that long. That's just ridiculous. Well, well that's where I'm going too. All right. Is it long? Let's hear one. Deal? Let's hear one worse hear than Kyle Turris. I'm all ears. That one's pretty bad. I want to hear this one. Well, the thing is, this one hasn't came back to bite the Predators yet. Okay. But it is looming over their heads. This scares me. Oh. The Shea Weber offer sheet. That you're right. That because is because at the time you really wanted to keep Shay, but you mortgaged so much so far out, and I still think it's in the four to six million range if he actually retires per year. Like now, yeah, yeah. If he retired right now, it's four to six million per year that yeah. Nashville's off the hook for for several more years, and that's coming off of your cap. So, yeah. and that's, yeah, I think we've talked about that before. Um, several episodes, like I don't even remember when, but yeah, mortgaging the future of the team on, on the one player. And then you don't even, you don't even keep him. Yeah. And you agree and you agree to this insane thing of, Oh, if, if he doesn't play anymore, you're on the hook for however many years paying his salary. And yeah, that, you might be right. That might be worse than two million a year for for uh, for Coulters. but just just the insane thing to 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 give him that money and then just get rid of him. Just yeah, yeah it makes was... no sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, that is bad. The whole Shea Weber thing is just breaks my heart. Like, I mean, his career is ended way too soon. Um, and he is going to be the one of the all time great predators ever. So, oh yeah. yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about Shea Weber. I don't want anybody yeah. to think that. I'm just saying, on paper, the deal is bad, and it's most likely going to come back and bite him. Yeah, there well, was a right. There was a picture on Twitter of him skating somewhere in uh, Vegas. I don't remember who he was with, um, but he was between shooting. between Shea Weber and that, and now what we're seeing with Ryan Ellis as well. It's like two great all-time defensemen for for the predators and they're just like their careers just like fizzled in way fizzled too out. soon for both of them. All right, let's look into another one here. This one is so under the radar. I don't think either one of you guys remember this or see this one coming. It's very under the radar, but, but I, I was doing some digging today for this segment 
and came across this one that really kind of stings now. <laughs> How about February? Let's go back to February 2019. One of the few times where the Predators and David Poyle made a in-season move or whatever to make the team better. Um, they went out and got themselves one of those blue-collar, hard, rough-neck defensemen. We got to get tough. We got to we gotta start eating glass, and we got to start getting tough. We got to get tougher for the playoffs. Identity. They traded, they traded for Wayne Simmons and dealt Ryan Hartman, who was – Hey, he didn't play long here for the Predators, but he was – I remember mm-hmm. that year when he was playing for the Preds. A lot of fans were loving them some Ryan Hartman. That dude was a dog. He got in there and scored dirty goals. He played his heart out. He was one of those two-way forwards that just, like, played the Predator way but had an offensive swagger to him. And now he plays for Minnesota. And guess what? Hartman put up 65 mm-hmm. points. A career high last season for the Minnesota Wild. Yep. 65 points. I would love for an extra <clears throat> player on the Predators not named Roman Yossi, not named Matt Duchesne, and not named Philip Forsberg to score 65 points. Yep. And Wayne Simmons does Wayne not do Simmons played set. Play, Wayne Simmons played 17 games for Nashville. Did I mean, he really didn't move the needle at all for this team. No in that trade. He was a rental. Yep. 17 games and you lose a 65 point player. Eventually that's a bad one. I I forgot about it, but I came across it today and I was like, I've got to add this to this segment. That's like, it's one of those things we talk about. It's, it's a crapshoot. Ryan Hartman still plays for Minnesota. (laughs) Ryan Hartman (laughs) is still currently on the wild. He's not a big time game-changing type of player, but he's still a player that I would love to have on this team right now if I could have I was watching him. Uh, I was watching him play tonight. They're playing the Stars. He got moved back up to the first line for Minnesota. Ryan Hartman. All right. Let, let, let's, let's go back to these long-term – let's go back to these long-term deals that David Poole gets in trouble with. Everyone will always talk about this. The contract's getting a little bit shorter, so maybe it's becoming more possible to move on from him. I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to ask both of you guys this. I'm going to get Kyle's thoughts on this first, and then we'll go to Rich. Where does Ryan Johansson fit in all of this in terms of David Poyle's worst moves? He was originally signed to eight years in 2017, Following that Stanley Cup run, $8 million AAV for eight years at the time. Oh, man. To think that Ryan Johansson is getting $8 million a year in this day and age compared to what you look at the market now is just insane. And I feel bad to put Ryan Johansson to that standard because it's not his fault. He's the Ryan Johansson just signs the contract. It's, da- yeah. it's David Poyle's fault. It's not Ryan Johansson's fault. So, but when you look at it, it is absolutely crazy to think that Ryan Johansson makes that kind of money right now for that long of a contract. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when you look at, watch a game like you watched last night. All these guys that make all that money, 
performing that way. But I mean, that happens, but still. <clears throat> um, 2007. I mean, it, again, it's not even the the value per year of the contract. It's the term. It's eight years. You sign the guy for eight years. You hamstring yourself to eight years to a guy just because he had a really good little short little run with you. And he went to the Stanley Cup. He gets hurt in that playoff run. The team rallies around him. They win the President's Trophy or whatever. All that's all well and good. But to sign a guy for eight years is such a risk unless you know for sure he is a superstar on another level. That's the only time you could ever sign a guy for eight years, you know? I think, though, I'll play devil's advocate. He was going to get paid after that Stanley Cup uh, playoff run, after how well he played during it. So I can understand giving him the contract, but in hindsight, it looks awful. Uh, yeah, the way no pun intended. <clears throat> and and, the th- and it, it wouldn't even be that bad if he was only making five or six it would be a great contract Mm -hmm. I would consider he was making $5 million. I don't think anybody would be complaining for what he produces. It's just, he got, they trapped themselves though. Yeah. He got overpaid based on a couple of good years and a really good playoffs. Poyle based, based the performance that may have or may not have been a fluke in the Stanley cup finals. He mortgaged again that word mortgaged. He mortgaged the team's future again and gave these guys these contracts, thinking we got we got there this year. We're gonna definitely get there next year, and we might we might win one and we might win another one. We might win two if we keep this team together, and that's definitely has not obviously. I think you know. I just. How much of 2017 was a mirage for this Predators franchise? You know, they were the it eighth really seed like going. It. They were the eighth seed going in. They sweep. You know, the Blackhawks. We talked about this so many times. Yeah, for sure. And every Predators fan that's that's really like diehard about the team, we don't have to remind them that was such a magical year, and it really like. You know, they followed up with the Presidents Trophy the year after that, so they they go on this like two year run where, you know, you start thinking, wow, the Predators are, like, yeah, legit. Like, they're in the top tier of the league. They're with the heavyweights. You know, and then it went downhill since then. So, I just don't think David Poyle can part ways with that. I just don't know. And so, when we go back to this Ryan Johansson deal, I mean, he comes out off that Stanley Cup run. He's like, okay, this is my core. This is my team. This is my window. I got to – I got a lot. I'm playing devil's advocate here as well. I got to lock up Ryan Johansson. He's my top line center. I, I'm putting all of my money on this guy. The Jofa line. I'm putting all wow. my bread into the Jofa line. I got know? hot goaltender. Because at, at the time you had Pecorine. Yeah. You had your Jofa line, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. Oh man, when and you say it out loud, it just hurts, doesn't it? It's but it's the length of the contract for yes, me. Absolutely. It looks bad when you look back on it. It's 
you trapped yourself to an eight-year deal for a guy in Ryan Johansson who had had some good years, but he had not acquired superstar level yet. He mm-hmm. was not a superstar yet. You only give eight-year deals to guys you are for sure are superstars. And Ryan Johansson was not a superstar. He's a great player. He's a good player. Not taking it away from him. He's a quality player. He is not a superstar. You don't give eight-year deals to super to anyone who, unless they're a superstar. Agreed. All right. 100%. I got one more. You guys got anything, got any other ones? Because I got one that's current. I think you've hit. <laughs> I think we've hit all. I mean, the, there's a ton. There, there's there a lot of smaller time. ones. But <clears throat> yeah. here's one more on the bad column. And it's still, it's current. It's very fresh. And it's Ellie Tolvanen. Um, he is flourishing from what we know with the Seattle Kraken, who is one point out of first place right now in the Pacific Division. It's very likely that Ellie Tolvanen will be playing meaningful hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs later while we're all sitting at home watching the Predators not be in the playoffs. So to lose him on waivers, to hear David Poyle even fess up and say that he thought that he was going to clear waivers. Yeah. This could go down as one of his worst moves ever. Unforgivable mistakes in his history when we actually look back on it a few years from now. It's a touchy subject, and every time um, Tolvanen scores a goal for Seattle – Facebook, Predators Facebook just lights oh, it up, man. They just, they just, they just, it's scorched earth yet again, just all over. They well, the Twitter outage, you know, we had the Twitter out, outage earlier. Yeah. And so everyone had to flock to Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm a little mixed on, on Tolvanen. Like, I think he had some good opportunities and he played well at times. We don't know what all happens behind closed doors, obviously, but, um, you know, he, it just didn't work out. It's, this isn't the first time this has ever happened. It's not the last time it'll happen again, but, you know, it, it does suck because he is playing well, but if we would have kept him, would he have eventually came around and played that way? I doubt it. <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do? So, well, you have to. Well, then you have to start asking yourself: Is it a structure thing? Is it a right. structure issue? Is it a coaching issue? And that's why everyone comes back to John Hines. Is because you see these players leave this system and they flourish. <clears throat> yep. It's like once they break the chains of this organization, they go somewhere else. Oh, all of a sudden they're a good player. They they can score goals. They can be, you know, whatever. I think the same thing. Let's say that they trade Mikael Granlund at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Would it surprise me that much if Mikel Granlin found a new team and suddenly became a goal scorer? It wouldn't shock me at all. It wouldn't. I think it's a structural issue. I think it's a team issue. I don't think it's all on the players. I think that this team, you know, it's taken me a while. I've tried to give it time, but I don't see this team being anything more than what they are right now, which is a very frustrating middle-of-the-road yeah. team. With John Hines behind the bench. So here's a question. If they were to, let's say they fired John Hines, 
and they got a recycled um, NHL coach. I know uh, Boudreaux's out there, whoever else. Do you think another recycled NHL coach could take this team the way they are right now and do something with them? All right, so Kyle's shaking his head no. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that it could be better. I'm not saying it would make them just drastically better, but I think they could be better. Uh, there's no excuse for them being this bad of an offensive team with mm-hmm. the talent they have on paper. It's not like they don't have offensive playmakers on this oh, team. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I do, I do think that a, a fresh offensive philosophy, I see too much dump and chasing. I see too oh, much. Yeah. Oh. I see too much of an onus on. Yeah. I agree with like this team has to forecheck and forechecking is important. And that's how this team has to create their goal chances is through mm-hmm. turning the puck over by hard forechecking. Mm-hmm. But you got to start taking some more chances here. You got to start having a, you know, I hate to say it, but like David or uh, Peter Laviolette for a lot, for how toxic he was in the locker room. His running gun style was fun to watch. Oh, I mean, yeah, that sure. team got out and they went up and down in transition. They took chances and sometimes it did they got burned on the other mm-hmm. end. But that team was fun to watch. They yeah. put pressure on the decor of the other team. They took chances. This current Predators team, they can't even get in the zone because no. they're so predictable. There's mm-hmm. that last night they were so and it's, you know, that was all time bad, how bad they looked against the Golden Knights. But let's not act like this isn't a normal trend here. Oh, yeah, they, for sure. We see it all the time. This team goes through long spurts in games where they can't get shots. They can't even get in the zone. They're playing defense. They're back on their heels. And they're just praying that UC Soros can get them, you know, get them through the, through the stretch until they can figure out a way to maybe muster up some offense. Yeah. That's it's not true. a winning formula. They got to get a guy in there who can change the whole formula of this team. And yeah, of course they're going to have to re that's why I think they do have to eventually rebuild and get new guys in, get, yeah. you know, trade move on from Ryan Johansson, move on from Mikael Granlund eventually. Like they got to get some fresh guys in there. That's why I love seeing UC or Yuso Parsonen and Cody Glass and mm-hmm. Tommy Novak you know, elevate through this lineup because I think those guys are the future of this team. You know, Tommy Novak gets a uh, new contract. Yeah, uh, one year. Some news there. So One way as well. Yeah. So what are you seeing, Kyle, uh, based on what I'm saying? Do you, you know, like, do you think it it's starting to become more and more a coaching issue um, based on what we're seeing? I do. Um, and you- – I made a post about it, and I know I keep beating this drum. Philip Forsberg has still scored one goal, <laughs> one goal since they took him off a line with you so Parson. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against Cody Glass. I think Glass and Parson are the best two centers on the team right now, but there was an obvious chemistry there, and you broke it up for no reason at all, and I can't figure it out, and it just it bothers me. Yeah, it is. 
that is a puzzler for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Cody Glass and Yusuf Parson need to be your top six centers throughout the rest of the season at mm-hmm. this point. And you live and die with the consequences. Does that mean they're going to be perfect? They're not going to make their mistakes? No, they're young players. But I would rather see young players with opportunities to develop make mistakes over seeing veterans make the mistakes. Right. You know? Yeah. So they're they're doing it with Cody Glass. They are giving him a lot of ice time and giving him chances, but. You know, I want to see Parson up there. I think, as you say, Kyle, and you've made me a believer in this, Parson matches so well with Forsberg's game. They're, you're talking two power forwards, two guys mm-hmm. that use their physical bodies to create space and work off of each other. So I don't know why you would want to push Parson down to the bottom six when you know that Parson is going to be a very key part of your future. Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. why not just give him those minutes, give him that, those, those chances, just like you're doing with Cody glass. And it might not be enough to keep to, to change it that much, but at least you're getting him in those situations. Cause you're going to really need him to step up in those situations in, in the future. Do you remember there a couple of years ago when the Senators were so bad, but it was all Brady to Chuck had just started playing and uh, they had all these other really young players and all the Senators fans were happy, even though they were terrible because they were watching their young players grow and right see the potential that was coming up. So, I'm okay with that. I, I just like what Chad said. I'm okay watching them make mistakes because they're young. Mm-hmm. I but think it's. What? I think it's. Uh, I think it's coming. Um, unfortunately, it just feels feels like it's coming. And when you when you watch younger players, you know, grow and make mistakes. A loss like we saw last night is a little more easier to take mm-hmm. than. Watching Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, you know, uh, Matt Duchesne, see these guys who are awesome players play like that. It's, it's, it's really a letdown, but, but if it's your young guys and they're growing and learning, it's, it's a little easier to, to take for sure. So I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I don't know. Well, you know, there's, I think there's maybe 10 games left before, before the, the deadline now. So that sounds right. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of time left for movement to be made here. I mean that's why we got to see what they do against Philly. They got Philly Arizona next, so on paper you would think two winnable games, but let me tell you, Arizona is not a slouch. They've beaten plenty of quality teams this year, yep. even though they're way back. Then you get Boston. Then you get Florida. And Florida just beat the brakes off of Tampa a couple of days ago in the battle for Florida. So I'm telling you right now, like the schedule does not offer any, any 
time to relax right now if you're the Predators. And so they get Vancouver, they get San Jose, they get Arizona twice. So they got some winnable games coming up before the deadline, which actually scares me even more because oh, yeah. If, yeah. if they win, if they win a few of those games and they're right there on the cusp of a playoff spot, then that's going to really entice Poyle to add another really bad move to this list of, of bad moves that we've already talked about. So, yeah, this the, this next month here in February is going to be just crazy to watch, to see just which direction the Predators go. They're definitely at a fork in the road for their long-term future. We're not even talking mm-hmm. about this season. Poyle might make decisions that will change the direction of this franchise for years to come. That's literally what this month means. I'm not even trying to be overdramatic here. What the Predators do in these next few games over the course of this month leading up to this trade deadline is going to really impact this franchise for the coming years, whether they become a rebuilding team, whether they make another really bad long-term signing or they go for a rental player. We'll have to wait and see. If he, let's look Real quick, if he goes for a rental player, he needs to be he needs to be fired because <laughs> that's I know it's enticing or whatever, but like they're sending scouts, they're sending scouts to a I lot of these that. games. I saw that um, history tells us they're not going to make it out of the first round. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Even if you get a rental player, that's not going to fix what's wrong with this team. No, I agree. I I think that. I think that signing any type of a rental player is a horrible, will be a horrible mistake by David Poyle. For sure. I just don't know if he can resist the urge. No, he. All right. Let's look at some of his better moves that he's made because he's made plenty. He's the winningest GM in NHL history. Let's not take that away from him. Um, Easily his best move. I mean, you can't even question this. His best move of his tenure as GM of the National Predators is when he traded for Philip Forsberg on April 3rd, 2013. He sent away a very good franchise great player, Martin Erat, who was well past his prime and completely fleeced the Washington Capitals (laughs) and got themselves Philip Forsberg. How do you top that? I mean, that's something that could be on David Poyle's mantle for the rest of his days, because that's an all-time great steal that was a good by David Poyle. And people yep. forget that it was all the way back in 2013 when that trade happened. That might be Martin it. E- you Martin, might e- Rat did, Martin E. Rat did nothing hardly in his NHL career after that. So score a couple big bonus points for David Poyle on that one. That one's a good one. Let's go to some big draft picks. He's had some a lot of success drafting, and I know you got to give his scouts. He has a great scouting department that deserves a ton of credit, not just Dave Poyle, but the scouts who go out there and give him uh, this information on drafting some of these players. But, I mean, here's my next one on the list. Drafting Pecorine in the eighth yeah, round, sure. which doesn't even exist anymore, in uh, 2004. I mean, if the Predators never – never draft Pecorine. I mean, I don't even know if this team is even in Nashville anymore. They might have relocated. Maybe. And again, I'm not yeah. being overdramatic here. I don't know. I mean, the fate of the franchise staying in Nashville was very much in the balance. 
Man, right around right around when Pecorine was starting to come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only not only drafting him, kudos to the scout for seeing something in him just from a warm-up. Because that's that's all a great the, story. That's yeah, all man, the scouts saw was his was him warming up and like <laughs> turned out to be that's a really cool, yeah. That's amazing a great story. Yeah. Same with same with uh Soros, if you if you think about it. I mean, like fourth round a, 2013 taking a a, a a chance on a shorter goaltender which that's a silly thing anyway but i don't know if you saw it they had a clip of an interview over the all-star weekend and uh sorrow said that a team when he was uh doing the interviews for the draft or whatever with the teams a team and he wouldn't say who it was um said they wanted him to go to a doctor to get his bones x-rayed to see if there's any chance that he'll grow anymore. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he was like, and they, he said it came back, said I wasn't going to grow anymore. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't say who it was, but that was pretty funny. That was good. That's funny. Not all right. So I got, I got a current one that I think is going to turn out to be a great move for David Poyle when it's all said and done. How about going and getting Cody Glass from the Vegas Golden Knights? I know I it's too so. er- I know it's too early to make a proclamation on that. Yep. But I'm just saying the way it looks right now, even if the Predators do end up becoming a rebuilding team, they miss the playoffs for a few years. I look at a player like Cody Glass as a future core top 6 center, top line center for this team. The way he's playing now, and how much better I know he's going to keep getting. And he, I'm hoping he sticks around with this franchise for a long time. Um, that can end up being a really good move by David Poyle to go get him because he, you know, things weren't working out with Vegas. He was the first ever draft pick by the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, so to go get him, that could end up being a really, really great move by David Poyle. It's already looking like a great move now, but it could end up being another one. I got an under-the-radar one here. How about acquiring James Neal in the summer of 2014 for Patrick Kornfist? Uh, following season, James Neal scored 31 goals, which at the time was only three goals shy of the franchise record. And he scored six goals in the 2017 playoff run to the Stanley Cup. So... I'll give a couple modest points to David Poyle when he went out and got James Neal. James Neal was a fun player to watch on that mm-hmm. Preds team at the time. That's funny. And also a player that I think that they should have found a way to hold on to at the yeah. time when they yeah. lost him. Yeah. To Vegas. They didn't protect him in the expansion, the first ever yep. expansion draft that the Predators had to participate in. Good old Vegas. All right. Send us your I should have asked Jason that at the beginning of the show. What uh, oh, yeah. how what is what was his original feelings on James Neal when they took him from the Predators in the expansion draft? Probably- All right, let's move on here. Episode 171. Catfish on ice. Where are they now? Let's look at some oh, players. And- we already kind of <laughs> talked about Ellie Tolvanen. Yeah. I'm pulling for the guy, guys. I am, though. I mean, I don't have sour grapes here. Um, No. 
I, I want to see the dude become – it's going to hurt to watch it, but I want to see the guy completely just go off. I, and I find Seattle to be such an easy team to cheer for too, so it's like it's a win-win. Yeah. So, Ellie Tolvanen's got 10 goals for Seattle, which is tied for sixth on the team already, and he hasn't even played the full season with them yet. <laughs> uh, so, I mean – He's three goals from being in the top three on the team in goals. That's crazy. How many games so far? How many did you say? You know? Uh, let's see. He's played 16 games with Seattle now. He's got eight goals. Oh, I'm sorry. So, two of those count with Nashville. So, he's got eight goals with Seattle. Oh, okay. Sorry. That, was, that was counting both teams. He did score two for Nashville. But still – Eight, he's got ten. He's got ten points in sixteen games. Eight goals in sixteen games. So he's he's got two power play goals. Um, he's a big role player for them for, for Seattle, and he fit a need that they really had at, on the waiver wire. So for Seattle, they played it really well, and they got a they got a need. That's what you do when you get on the waiver wire. You look for guys. You get them for nothing. Mm-hmm. You look for guys who fit your need. I think Ellie Tolvanen fit a really big need that the Seattle Kraken had at the time. Yep. So, and, and we're looking at a playoff team most likely. Oh yeah. I would say so. Yeah. They're playing really well. Surprisingly well, actually. <laughs> what about our boy, Nick cousins guys? Saw him play the other day for the Florida Panthers. Playing very minimal. minutes. <clears throat> for, I just for, looked it up. Uh, you got a $2 million, $2.2 million contract with them. I think, you know, that was, that was definitely a player. I was very, very okay with moving on from this past off season. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see any reason to reserve a roster spot for Nick cousins on this team. As much as I do like his, his moxie and I like his, I do think that he has that chip on his shoulder and that veteran type of, leadership that you need on a team but i didn't want nick cousins taking a roster spot from a younger player like a yuso parson or cody glass or whatnot so i saw it completely okay to move on from him and he he plays he plays very minor minutes for florida Mm -hmm. right now so yeah he's he's got 18 points so far this season he had his moments with Nashville. There was some moments I really liked him, and then others you're just kind of like. He was an instigator, man. Forget, like he would he get in there and, and 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 cause some mm-hmm. some tussles or whatnot. And you love players like that. Yeah. Um. I I can't remember what game it was, but I'll never forget the one game where he was causing a ton of chaos, and he goes to the penalty box and he's just laughing his ass off in the penalty mm-hmm. box, like stirring the pot. He, knows. he was yeah. that. He was that type of player. Yeah. What about Matt Benning? Uh, Kyle or uh, Rich? I know you loved you some Matt Benning when he I was like here. Matt Benning. He's he playing got, for San Jose. He's playing for San Jose now. He did, and he got a surprisingly pretty good sized contract, from what I remember, with them. I mean, for, for his role. Do we, all right, I got. I, I'm going to ask Kyle this. Do you think that Jeremy Lazan has been an upgrade to Matt Benning? Because it's kind of a one for one swap uh, there. Well, that's a difficult question to answer yes. because they play so differently. Mm. 
Matt Benning took a lot of penalties, just like Jeremy Lazan does. Mm -hmm. I think Jeremy Lazan brings a tad more of an offensive element to his game than Matt Benning did. He's more physical. There's that. That's for sure. Matt Benning's got – hey, guys, Matt Benning's got 20 assists this year. I am having to refresh this. Oh, wow. I did not realize that Matt Benning has 20 assists. He signed San Jose Sharks. He signed a four-year, five million dollar contract with San Jose. They locked him up for four by five. How did did I not know this? How did I I not realize that Matt Benning has already beaten his Matt Benning has already tied his career high for points in a season. Yeah, twenty-one. He had eleven. He has already he's already surpassed his career high in assists for a season. Yeah. And he's still got, hopefully, another 30 games left on the season to pad that career-high number. He had a lot. I had no idea that he had 20 assists for the San Jose Sharks this year. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. I liked him, though, for sure. He's still a minus 10. He's also only got 20 penalty minutes. So he's keeping his penalties down. He's playing way more ice time than he was with the Predators. He's got 19.27 for San Jose this year, which is over three minutes more than what he averaged with the Preds. So he's he's playing a more significant role yeah. with San Jose, which is obviously a rebuilding team. So good for Matt Benning. It looks like he's found himself a good little spot. I was looking at his stats. This is funny, real quick. When he was playing... Um, in the AJHL for the AJ? Spruce, Spruce Grove Saints. Oh, that's a great name. Yeah, I know, right? I 40, need some merchandise. This was back in 2011. <laughs> 44 games played. He had 87 penalty minutes. <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot of fights. A I'm lot sure. of fighting majors. Anyway. What was the name of that team again? The Spruce Grove? Spruce Grove Saints. And they are in the AJHL. Where is the, where is Spruce Grove? I got to look that up on I don't know on a map. I don't know. Uh, I guess that's the American Junior Hockey League. I bet they have a really bad logo. Alberta Junior Hockey League. You know the junior teams and the minor league teams have way better logos. Have y'all noticed that than the NHL teams? They have the best logos. I still so, say the Admirals. Everything beats the Preds. Everything. I will die on that hill. <laughs> Let's see. Um, they are in Spruce Grove, Alberta. All right. Anyway, well, that explains why I've never heard of Spruce Grove. I'm sure maybe Lindsay has heard of uh, Spruce Grove mm-hmm. being from Berta. Calgary. Berta Calgary. Berta beef. Lindsay said they don't say right. that, and I was like, I've heard. Speaking of Lindsay and her all-time favorite goaltender, how's David Riddick doing this year, guys? Does anybody know? Has anybody checked in on our boy David Riddick? Winnipeg. I mean, Um, he's not having to do a lot behind Connor Hellebuck. Who pretty much starts every game. He went from the arguably easiest start uh, backup job in the NHL to just as equally easy backup job in the NHL because Soros and Hellebuck start more games than anybody. 
and they stop more pucks than anybody. So it's like so, he he had he's had two vacation years. That's true. So David Riddick's got 13 games this year. He's eight and four, 2.58 goals against average and a 0.909 save percentage. Hey, you'll take that from your backup goaltender. You'll take that. I don't all remember. Day. Somebody, it might have been Lindsay talking about him, said that he's actually not done too bad when he's played. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's having a good little bounce back year as a backup. I mean, we won't even discuss his rough time with the Preds, and it wasn't all on him. He missed some time due to COVID. He just never really got. Got comfortable <laughs> here. I mean, he got lit up. There's, I mean, no. he got lit up by his own goalpost, like ran into it. Like, oh, that was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was one of those things where, like, you wanted to laugh at it, but it's your own team. So it's right. like, should I laugh at that? Like, I want to laugh at it, but it's, it's my own team. Funny, yeah. Mm. But you know, Riddick's a good guy. We obviously sure. want him to do well. We care about him. But um big save day. So it sounds like it, it seems like he has landed on his feet as well. So we're looking at some of these former Preds and they've found some good little spots to land in at least. Yeah. Um and then let's let's end it with where are they now with Luke Cunning. Also at San Jose. San Jose? Yeah. Also with San Jose. And I and believe another, he you know, rebound. Also got a pretty decent contract if i remember correctly he's kind of trending just like he was with the preds i mean he's he's mm. not really doing too much for them just 13 <laughs> points on the season okay uh, traded to san jose and he hasn't played in a while he hasn't played it since december 13th okay as <laughs> um, a restricted free agent cunning was later re-signed to a two-year, $5.5 million contract extension with the Sharks. Hmm. Hasn't played since December 13th. Hasn't scored a goal since November 27th. Oh, he torn, it, torn his ACL. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't know that. I did not know the that. The remainder of the 2022-23 season due to a torn ACL, which he sustained during the December 13th game against Arizona. That's rough. Yep. Yeah, he that must have happened early in the game. He's another one of those he, guys. Like he had his moments for the Predators, and you're like, oh man, I really like him. And then there was other times when it was just like he only played one shift in that game. Only played one shift and had the injury. Oh wow. So yeah, that came really early in that game. I did not see that's why we do this kind of stuff because I yeah, had no right. idea. I had no idea that Luke Cunningham was out for the year for uh the Sharks. So that's 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 rough stuff. Uh, yep. We wish him the best. Yep. So For that sure. catches us catches us up with that. All right, I got to ask you guys: Who had the better goalie goal, Pekka or Soros? Soros scores in the Tendy tandem, and <laughs> let me answer this first. And you guys are not going to agree with me here. I'm going Soros because there was more pressure. There was more pressure to hit that puck in that little bitty slot in That's this true. dumb little new Tendy tandem, and he <laughs> kept missing. He kept missing. I was Horrible watching it live. He kept <laughs> missing by – but all the goaltenders had, had struggled with this, and I could see why. I mean, 
that's tough, man, to just like yeah. everyone's yeah. watching you. It's this new event. It's kind of quirky. You got to throw the puck at this little board or whatever, and they're all missing this board. And then if you hit it in the – it's like carnival style. It's like if you hit the puck in this little bitty slot, then how did it work? If you hit the puck in the slot, then it was a three-on-zero against the other goaltender, yeah. and you get the three points. It was – the whole scoring system was like was yeah. like wacky. Yeah. If you hit the board, you got two, two points, and the other goaltender had to face a two-on-two. And if you oh, missed – Two-on-zero. Well, two on a two a two, two person on, breakaway. Yeah, and then if you totally missed, you got nothing, and the other team had to face it was a just a breakaway. But yeah, yeah. So and, and of course you're going with players who are kind of going half speed and no slap shots, all yeah, that. But like, yeah. I don't know. I'm going Soros because the dude. It was really pretty awesome the way he just hit the puck up into that little slot. And he stuck his arms up just like when Pekka did his yep. goalie goal. I know I'm going to be in the minority here, but I'm going Soros as the better goalie goal. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, everybody. Sorry. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the Jesus is on the score sheet. Yeah. Yeah, but Pekka's wasn't like a game changing goal. No, like, no goalie goals was, are, though. It's not, but I know, but like. But Sara or uh, Rene's name is with twelve other players in the NHL in the history of the NHL who scored a goalie goal. Soros had a smaller target to shoot at. He did have a smaller target for sure. That that little box. I'm going was... off a of difficulty. I'm going off a of difficulty here. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's my reasoning. You're the French judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The good All thing right. about I knew. When I knew Pekka, I was going to be in the minority there. When Pekka scored his, though, like his had a lot of loft, and it went like half the distance of the rink before it landed and then went in. So, I don't know. And it was against the Chicago Blackhawks, yeah, Chicago which made Blackhawks. it even better. At Chicago. So At Chicago. If, it came, if that would have came against the Columbus Blue Jackets, it wouldn't have me- meant nearly as much. But it came against the oh, Blackhawks. It just gave you bonus points for it. But, I get it. 13 people in the history, as long as they've been playing stick blade rubber biscuit, um, have done that. <laughs> let's do, let's do our, uh, let's do our quick hitters real quick. Um, speaking of that, all-star weekend takeaways, guys, did you guys watch the skills competition? I watched, I watched every bit of the all-star weekend, all of it. I watched it. I liked it. So, so how did you liked it? What, did. what were some it. of the uh, what were some of the skills challenges that you um, actually enjoyed that you thought were good? So, even though it was confusing, the goaltender thing was pretty cool, um, just because Saros was in it, so that helped. Um, the the thing where they had the dunk tank, where they had to hit the surfboards, that yeah. was pretty. That was pretty cool. Uh, Sidney Crosby got dunked, so that was good. Um, I thought it was yeah. cool that Chuck Brothers competed or whatever. Yeah, uh, that was good. The um, David Posternock's skit thing he did for the breakaway that was, was so funny. dumb because he did that have was it was funny, but it was it so was, dumb though. It was dumb, but it was because people th- 
when people think breakaway challenge, they want to see breakaways. They don't want to see David Posternock run down and put a puck into the net and run around riding, you know, like I know it was the happy Gilmore skit or whatever. And it was funny. It was, but it was, I don't know. The breakaway well, challenge was, I did not the enjoy worst, that at all. The worst one was, was Mitch Marner's because it was like Miami Vice themed. And it just, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Was yeah, just it was so dumb. Not great, but. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, my oh, favorite I, challenge, my favorite challenge was was for me was actually the um, Chipotle pitch and puck. Oh yeah, I mean that was pretty creative, guys. You're talking about like guys using hockey pucks to play golf. Yeah, and it was a par four mm-hmm. uh, hole. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who love their golf. And I was into it. I was like, it's kind of fun. Oh, I thought and it was cool I, too. Yeah, I liked it. I got to give All-Star Weekend a lot of credit for doing the suspense factor where mm-hmm. uh, they didn't tell you the winner like right away. Like say, yeah. oh, you're going to have to stick around to find yeah. out who won. Like, so, you know, like they, that, that like, kind of kept me intrigued Yeah, or whatever. And um, they did a fastest skater. They did all of them. And then they took the two winners and they did it later. So that was kind of cool. How about Leon Dreisaitl completely choking on the uh, accuracy shooting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was not pretty. Wow. At all. It was not pretty. I think he, like, got, like, 38 seconds or something. Like, like he couldn't even, like, hit the target. Like, he kept missing. He looked – and he looked visibly frustrated, too. Yeah. Like, wow. he, it looked it looked to the point where you – know, we know Leon Dreisaitl is a dude that plays with a crazy intensity. Uh-huh. He looked legitimately pissed off that he – yeah, performed so badly in that. Well, well, Connor McDavid, he went he went eight for eight. Uh, <laughs> he didn't miss, but then I then think he Ryan, did like nine seconds or something like that. Something he did, crazy. He did. Uh, I can't remember what he did the first time, but the second time he did like twelve point nine. But then Brock Nelson did like twelve point two, and he hit like four in a row. So yeah, that, I like that one too. It's pretty cool, but I enjoyed it. People get on Twitter and they complain about it. And I'm like, why? Then don't watch it. I mean, <laughs> nobody, nobody's making you watch it. And nobody, nobody cares about your opinion when you put it on Twitter going, this is so stupid. Why are they? Then if you don't like what'd, it. What did you think about PK's? Uh, what did you guys think about PK Subban and his hosting duties? Fit for that role. If there's anybody ever who's fit to be a media personality, it's P.K. Superman. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even watch it, and I could have told you that. P.K. Yeah. is the man when it comes yeah. to – He was funny. He was funny. He knows how to, br- he, he knows how to bring the crowd in. Uh, I think my favorite moment with P.K. Subban in the whole night was when he was uh, throwing around nicknames for Connor no, yeah. David and uh, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, and he came it? up with <laughs> – he came up with McJesus. Yeah, he threw one. around McJesus. You know, Connor McDavid has like no personality. He has like the no. personality of a brick wall. None but of them like, do, really. <laughs> but he actually got Connor McDavid to crack a few smiles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he went with uh he went did he go with McJesus? He did. Yeah, I can't remember the other ones. Um, uh so Nathan McKinnon went with Little Mac, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which was a little strange. You brought up the point about those guys having personality. No personality. They none of them do. Like they interviewed Jason Robertson, and he's like, "They're like, what do you think?" He's like, uh, "I'll guarantee a goal," but he didn't say. Wasn't excited. Mitch Marner. And, 
No, not Mitch. It was no, not Mitch Marner. Um, the big rig. Oh, Pat Maroon. Oh my gosh. He he was so cringe as a host. Uh, Kyle, did you see Pat Maroon? He was doing no, color I commentary. Didn't. Oh my god, he never needs to do color commentary ever again. The dude he, was so bad. He's like he would go. Uh, yeah, he uh, uh was skating fast, like just what you would expect. Yeah, it was they, exactly they what would, you'd expect. Would, <laughs> like, if you're gonna have a player, former player, do color commentary for something like the All Star Game, one, it either needs to be PK or Paul Bissonette. Yeah, yeah, it's just because they, they're funny. They. They basically gave him the role of like the sideline commentator. Mm -hmm. And so they would turn to him throughout the all-star, these all-star games or whatever, and give, they were like, Oh, what are you thinking about the play of the game? And and yeah, he would just kind of jump in and be like, Oh yeah, they're uh, skating really fast. Yeah. And he goes, this is, this is, this is a lot of fun guys. Yeah, man. Like I'm having a lot of fun here. This is a man. They're skating fast. (laughs) They're shooting the puck hard. Yeah. Um, man, this is a lot of fun, guys. Back to you. He said, there's no way they'd ever have me in the fastest skater competition. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is wrong with you? Why it, was almost, it, it was almost too perfect for how the NHL uh, markets their sport. Yeah. Just, just they interviewed a couple of the players, and, like, Nate McKinnon was, like, talking to a piece of – celery or something like he was just sitting there and like didn't say anything and then um they were interviewing uh matthew to chuck during the game and he wasn't even paying attention he's like oh i'm sorry i'm distracted and like blew him off i was like yeah they (laughs) you know it is what it is hockey players are different breeds they are they are for sure yeah i enjoyed it though i like it um I, i thought it was great uh-huh. Soros looked good. Hey, so I know it's an all-star First. game, but I thought yeah. he looked really well. He made a lot of really good saves. If anything, Soros in that d- definitely in that first game mm-hmm. against the Pacific Division, yeah. uh, Soros looked like he was treating it like a real game. Yeah. Like he wanted to like he wanted to cover the puck. And you know, in the all-star <laughs> games, the goalies don't normally ice the pucks; they just yeah. push it out and keep the play going but he wanted to ice the puck so bad every time yep. you know and he he looked into it like soros yep. looked like he actually cared about the game he did so yeah. I, I i appreciated that because that's yeah. that's what we know juice to be is just a competitor yep i enjoy it all right let's For let's close it out real quick guys episode 171 of catfish and i it's been a really long episode we're at two hours now let's get to one Final question. Did you guys see the very controversial hit of Jeff Carter on Cal McCarr? Um, it was, it it was nasty, but it was also, I think it was very incidental. What do you, what rich, what's your thoughts on, on the hit? Do you think it was nasty? Do you think it was, do you think it deserves a suspension? You think it was incidental? Hockey's rough sport. (laughs) You you saw the hit that uh, Nazem Kadri took from, Jacob Truba, did y'all see that one? I did. Yeah, it's he, the same. he owned up to it. Yeah, he did. He's like, it was a good hit. I mean, I don't know. It looked like it kind of looked like he maybe got up into it, like shouldered him in the face. But I don't know. It's a rough. I think it was. Hit. I think it was a fast moving game, and, and yeah. you're talking about two guys in the wrong place at the wrong time. And like you say, Rich, hockey's a rough sport. That's right. What did What did Kale say when he got out in the parking lot? Because he was a little dazed. 
Where's my car? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> oh, dad joke of the year. I <laughs> snorted. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little basic with you. Where's my car? Where's my I car? Think, uh, I think Kale's going to win the Norris and the Oscar because he, <laughs> he acted that one up pretty good. Yeah, he, he took his inner NBA player on that one. There you go. Yeah. He took he took a page or two from Le, LeBron James. Mm hmm. Yeah it it looked it looked worse than it probably really was I guess so. I think if it's not on a player like Cal McCarr, no one's talking about it as much. Nope. nope. I agree. I'm lo- I'm looking at it in slow motion right now, and it's it's not that bad. Yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a hard hit, but it's again it's just. Wrong place, wrong time. If anything, but yeah. you see these, you see these moments. I will say, looking at it right now, the puck was not really in the immediate area, so mm-hmm. maybe there was a little bit of gamesmanship there by Jeff Carter, and maybe he was yeah. looking to send a message. But I've seen way, way dirtier hits than that oh, in yeah, the NHL. Totally. So yeah. I'm not. But they're talking about it because it's Cal McCarr. So yeah. you know. All right, it's been a really, really fun episode, jam-packed episode. We stayed up late with you, episode 171. Let's get one more comment in before we sign off. It's our good buddy, Johnny. Redemption. Here, better late than never. We Thank love you, you Johnny. Johnny, we were talking about some of the best and worst moves by David Poyle. I bet he's like got to a have you for that. He's going to go listen later, and he will let us know what we missed because – That dude's an encyclopedia. He is a Nashville Predators walking, living, breathing encyclopedia. Encyclopedia (laughs) Predanic. Predanic. And you need to go follow his YouTube channel. He says, I'll give my feedback in the archive, of course. There you go. He has an awesome YouTube channel as well. uh, Preds Fan Reacts. So go check that out. We love Johnny. We love all of you. Thank you for listening to episode 171 of Catfish and Ice. We'll see you next week. We are going to go catch some Z's because it's late. We're tired. But take care, everybody. We love you. Have a good one. Night-night.